Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. We're deviating just a bit from our Apostolic Solution series. The reason is, just for this episode, I often get private messages from leaders and pastors saying, hey, can you speak to this? Can you explain this, what you said here, or can you speak on this particular topic? And one of my dear friends and really brother from another mother, Solomon Davies, sent me a message saying, can you speak to this? This is loaded. And when I saw he understood what I was talking about here, I thought, you know what, let's do it. And so we've deviated from our series, and I'm going to address this graphic uh, quote, and I'm going to unpackage it for you, and I know it will bless your life. What I had said was, it's one of my own quotes, God will honor your attempt to find him. God will honor your attempt to find him. This is actually very fascinating and very biblical, that God doesn't actually look for people who have all the perceived smart ways or their formula to finding him. There isn't really a formula to finding him, but it has to do with heart hunger. God actually grades your desire to know him and and seek him based upon heart hunger. He's really looking for somebody who will go the distance in laying hold of him because of how valuable he is to them. When something is very easy to find, you can just go to a corner store and pick it up for a couple bucks, it decreases the value. But when something is treasurable, when something is more difficult to find and you have to pay a price to finding it, it increases the value. And God likes to do it this way, whether it's the pursuit in Song of Solomon or uh, blessed are the poor in spirit for they get the kingdom. God likes to bury treasurable things in a field and you're going to have to buy the field to lay hold of that thing which is treasured. Now salvation is screaming out loud in the streets and uh, salvation is for everyone who will lay hold of it. And it's a free gift, but the things of the kingdom, the deeper things, uh, actually cost something. You'll pay a price for it. And to lay hold of more of God will always cost you something. In fact, it was even described in Scripture that the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. And for joy over it, when this man found it, he He sold all that he had and he bought the field. Most people major there on the buying of the field part, the paying the price. But it actually also says he sold all that he had, which suggests that when you want to make room for more of God, you've got to let go of some things. Most of the time, and for those who are friends of God, who walk with him closely, know exactly what I'm talking about. Not only... Will it cost you your time, your energy, and all of that? But you'll have to let go of some things. It might be relationships. It might be idols in your heart. It's not even just always sin, but you're going to have to make room for the more of God. So what I said here was that God will honor your attempt to find him. I want to take God out of the machine, robot, distant 
uh, all-powerful being that we can barely get near and suggest to you that God actually desires relationship with you. He's actually closer than you think he is. He wants a relationship with you. He is a God that loves. It's where we get love from. So everything that God does and how he associates is with love. He is a relational God, let's say. So if you understand anything about relationships and the way you desire closeness, all of that inner wiring and engineering within you actually comes from God, who is a person who wants relationship with you. And so when he recognizes that you are pressing in to know him, that you want friendship with him, I have been astounded that he responds. It amazes me. The God of this universe that knows the billions and trillions of people who have ever been on this planet, who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, who is holy, who is altogether lovely and set apart, actually will respond to you. You can trigger a response to God Most High. (laughs) Wrap your mind around that. And you would think there's a whole bunch of penance and process and and rituals that you need to do to, to lay hold or trigger a response from God. And remember what I said, there's not a formula to finding him, but he's looking at heart posture. I discovered this when I made a decision early in my faith that I would leave the recording industry and lock myself up in, in a room each day, pushing the envelope to spend more time. I didn't always feel something in the room. Sometimes it was the most powerful sense of electricity and presence I had ever felt. But other times I didn't necessarily feel anything, but I would push the envelope for more time spent with him. And I would find that whether he responded right there in the moment with a tangible presence or a revelation or his voice, I found that he would always give some kind of response or blessing down the road. And as I did this daily, I began to to discover ministry, an effective ministry, would flow out of those times. Go figure. (laughs) Uh, Because for me, it wasn't about ministry. My attention was, I was so captivated by him. He saw that my heart was deeply sincere in wanting to know him more. He actually would respond to that. And the consequence or the overflow came in the form of ministry to others. I know, you probably know that, (laughs) that we minister out of the overflow, but how many practice this with such a level of sincerity that God Almighty responds? Well, this led to, to pursuing him even more. It got to the point where I literally wanted to show God how serious I was. And I want to say something very scandalous now, but you're going to need to prove to God how serious you are if you want him to be found by you. Now, just before you freak out, let me give a couple script scriptures to undergird this, and then I want to tell you what happened in my life. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and here's the part I want you to hone in on, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Highly profound. Number one, that all that we do to get close to him is is gridded or, or measured by, is it done in faith, not religiosity, but faith, and then that God is a rewarder. 
God doesn't have us seeking him in vain. Oh, Jacob, it says, have I asked you to seek me in vain? God is actually someone who doesn't want you seeking him out of vain religion. In fact, he wants to reward you for seeking him. He actually is a respecter of those who seek him. Like my quote said, God will honor your attempt to find him, even if you don't feel like you've succeeded. And I'll get to that. But he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So is he a rewarder of those who seek him? Mm. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. One must prove their diligence with action for it to be measurable in this dimension. That's loaded there. But for it to be measurable as proof of your hunger for God, it has to be diligence. So what I would do if I would spend a half hour, maybe next time I try to spend 40 minutes, or I try to spend more consistent time during the week. I would would recite scriptures in my head while going about my day. I would speak in tongues as often as I could. I would prove my diligence. I would prove my longing to, to know him by doing things that I measured as diligent. And that's why you, you can't compare yourself to, to others. You hear how somebody prayed four hours a day or they had this relationship with God. The Bible warns against comparing yourselves with others. It's diligence according to what, what would be diligent for you. And so everybody's measure and level they're at is different. I just made sure for me that it was diligent and in my seeking of him. And I'll tell you a story in a moment. Then, to give another scriptural context to this, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 13 to 14 says, And you will seek me and find me. I mean, that in of itself. If you have to seek him and find him, it means he's lost. It means you need to look for him. It means he's not readily accessible so easily. You've got to actually search for him. You've got to look behind that door and, and you've got to seek around the corner and you've got to ascend the mountain. And there's actually a looking for God. He's not so easily found. Closeness is not so easily attainable. It must be proven. Again, just for safety here, we're not talking about salvation. He's just as close as the mention of his name. Call upon the name of the Lord that you can be saved. It's it's like that. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and, and you will be saved. But the seeking and friendship takes time, takes process, takes a longing, takes a a trust established with him because he's real, he's alive. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, And you will seek me and find me. So finding him is on the other side of seeking him. When, here's the condition. There is a condition. When you search for me, and I wish it was just when you search for me, but he says when you search for me with all your heart. Oh, there's the catch. Who does anything with all their heart? Very few things we are willing to do with all our hearts because it requires so much sacrifice. It requires time spent. It requires genuineness. It requires saying no to some things to say yes to him. This is a a costly thing, friendship with God. That's why so few find him in this way. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Look what it says. I will be found by you. 
God promises that he can be found. But the condition is you've got to search for him with all your heart. Like I said, God will honor your attempt to find him. He will honor it. He will make good with his promise. There was a time in ministry years ago. I was already pastoring at the time. And I was busy. You know, your typical busy pastor. I had had experiences with the Lord. I had led revival meetings at that point. I, I had some ministry experience under my belt. I had had some encounters with him. But there came a time when I was dissatisfied with what I had. Even though I had all that, I was hungry for more. Remember, blessed are the poor in spirit. When you're poor in spirit, it's meaning, God, I need more. I'm poor. I'm desperate. Give me more of you. And that the promise is they get the kingdom. Those who, are, who posture themselves as being poor in spirit and wanting more of God. And even though I had so much, what would have been wealth to some people was poverty to me because I was hungry. And so I set out to seek the Lord and I wanted to hear his voice. I wanted a next level of friendship that I hadn't even really heard about by too many people. I wanted to see how close could I get to this God. I was, I was genuinely sincere about this. And so I decided to set my alarm for four in the morning. And I, I, I'm not really a morning person, especially back then. And, and I set my alarm knowing I still got to work on an all-day marathon at the church office there. But I set my alarm for 4 a.m. to get up and seek the Lord. Well, my alarm came, uh, came on at 4 a.m., and I wasn't able to pay that price. <laughs> I laid there in bed and didn't get up, and I thought, well, I'll just lay slain in the presence of the Lord. And, uh, and I prayed a bit in tongues as I laid there. Well, you can guess what happened. There was just a few moments before I was back fast asleep. I hardly had found God, but I made an effort. And you'll find that the effort is the price that you pay. So the next day, I, I set the alarm clock again for 4 a.m. And this time I realized, well, I better, I better sit up in bed. I didn't feel like getting out of bed. I was cozy there under the blankets, and I thought, it doesn't matter where you are. You can pray anywhere. And so I sat up in bed and began to pray in tongues. And before long, I could hear myself snoring. My tongues turned to snores. It was just minutes <laughs> before I was fast asleep. And, and, and that day getting up, I thought, I am failing at this. I'm attempting to find God. I'm trying to prove my diligence. And, and it's at those moments that you sort of, uh, those moments of indiscipline where you sort of question, is this works? Am I operating in the flesh? And God knows my heart. And you try to find all these excuses for what is really a lack of discipline. And uh, so I decided that the next day I'm going to try again. And I'll set the alarm for 4 a.m. And I will get up and seek God. And that's what I did. And this time I got up. I thought I need to get out of bed. And I went downstairs and, and we had this beautiful gas fireplace. And I sat down on a reclining a comfy chair, had the fire going, and, and I realized that the chair actually could really recline, and pretty soon I had my feet up, and I'm staring at the fire, and I begin to pray, and, and I'm looking at that fire, I'm saying, Lord, burn in me, <laughs> do that in me, and, uh, 
and before long the nice warmth of the fire, my comfortable position, I was fast asleep. I was close to giving up at that point, but I knew that the Lord said that he, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, so there's a reward for my diligence, but what is it? And you find out the reward is him, but we'll get to that. And so the next day I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prayer walk. I'm going to get up at four and I'm going to do a prayer walk like the revivalists did. Then I'm guaranteed not to fall asleep. And uh, I had read about revivalists that would prayer walk. So I set the alarm and uh, got up at four. And, and you're just going to have to trust me. This is no exaggeration. I, I set out onto the street to walk at four in the morning and it's raining. And I was so frustrated by this. It felt like everything was trying to stop my ability to seek him. So I decided to go out in the rain. And there I am walking in my track pants, you know, pajama-like pants. And, uh, and I'm praying in tongues as I'm walking down the street in the rain. And if any of the neighbors had seen me, they would have thought I was crazy for sure. And I walked all the way to a park and there was a bench there and I decided to sit down on that bench and pray. Well, the bench had just a slight dip in the wood and it had collected water and I sat in this puddle of water, now soaking wet, frustrated, tired, can't feel God, I'm hearing no voice, I'm not having an angelic encounter. And I walk back home very frustrated mostly because of the rain. Well, now I had a little bit of a push inside of me, an inner motivation, <laughs> whether the flesh or not, I was going to beat this thing. And the next day, I woke up at 4 a.m. as usual, and it, wa it wasn't raining outside. So I decided to go walk again, and I made way my way down to the forest that had a trail that was near our house. And I was walking, and I was praying, and I tell you no word of a lie the mosquitoes were out. This was a summer day and it had rained and now it was hot. And I, I call these demon mosquitoes because there I am walking through this forest. I'm smacking mosquitoes as they're landing on me. I'm trying to pray in tongues. I'm sweating. And I, I just thought I am a failure at this thing. And it was at that moment I began to really doubt and thought about throwing in the towel that maybe only some people have a capacity for closeness with God and for encounters with Him. And maybe I'm not really cut out for this, or maybe I've done enough and, and God just hasn't shown up, but I pressed in. And again, we're used to preachers sometimes exaggerating. And, uh, and so you're just going to have to trust me. But that day in that forest, to top it all off, beyond the heat, the sweat, the mosquitoes, I was chased by a dog. A dog came and chased me home. So, I had had enough. I decided that I was no longer going to make this attempt, and God seemed a million miles away. I didn't have a prophetic dream. I didn't get a word. I didn't have an encounter. I had the wrong encounters. And I decided I'm not going to set my alarm the next morning, that this really isn't for me. And so that night I went to bed relieved that I wouldn't have to get up at four. And, uh, and I went to sleep. At exactly 3.33 a.m. 
And I believe God chose 333 because he often will speak through numerical sequences and synchronization. It's a sign of the times. And he will use those to speak to us. But I think he also wanted me to know, had I woke up at 4, I might have thought it was just my body clock because I had done that for several days in a row. Uh, He woke me up at 3.33 a.m. And I heard the voice of God on a level I had never in my entire life. I was already leading meetings. I was already prophesying. I was already having some experience with encountering the Lord. This was on another level. The best way I could describe it in human terms was like every cell in my body was reverberating and echoing the sound of his voice. It was as if he, if he raised the volume, my body might disintegrate. And it was on repeat. And he was saying something highly profound in a looped sequence that was so powerful, so revelatory, I had to write it down. I got out of bed without any fatigue. There was zero tiredness. And I wandered downstairs absolutely overwhelmed by the electricity of the presence of God. And I knew that I knew that I knew that God is real. He is alive. He hears us. He sees us. And he rewards those who diligently seek him. And he was rewarding me with his voice. You see, there are some things we can do that can trigger a response from God. God is an initiator. He's an author. He's a creator. He's a solutionist. But he's also very much a responder to us. And he respects those who diligently seek him. And God was responding. It was the trigger factor. Much like Abraham who made those sacrifices to the Lord and, and laid out the sacrifice and uh, or when he came and gave a tithe to Melchizedek, it actually goes on to say, and after these things, after he did this, the word of the Lord came to him. And that word there is debar. It really is a person, like the person of Jesus Christ. After he did these things, it triggered God's response and the word of the Lord came to him. God responds to hunger with giving us his presence. He rewards those with himself. He is your reward. He is the one who visits you with his word, which is an extension of himself, and you see his face. He shows you himself. And so that's what was happening that morning, and that experience was so profound. For the next three months, I had triggered nightly visitations. It wasn't every night, but most of the time I had a nightly visitation in the same way that voice that reverberated through my entire being was speaking. He is the speaking God. And I would write down what he said. And this produced an era of my life that has laid the foundation to what is today. There did come a time, though, when the voice stopped. And I was afraid that maybe I wasn't seeking him enough, or I had sinned, or I had grieved him only to find out because he spoke. He answered my question. I said, why? Why am I not having these nightly visitations? And he answered this way. He said, I've taught you to hear my voice at night. Now you're going to begin to hear me during the day. And that opened up a whole other era of God speaking 
in the day when I'm awake through all kinds of amazing signs and wonders. I got to know the Holy Spirit in a way that I never knew before. And I'll save that for another day. And some of those things are just too holy to just give out over podcasts. But I want to encourage you that God will honor those who make the attempt to find him. I failed every single day in my attempts to find him, and he still rewarded it. Nobody is a professional God seeker. Nobody's a professional expert. He honors the attempt. He honors the heart. He honors the hunger. There's not a formula to finding him. It's a heart posture. God bless. listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV.